אתם מאזינים לשידור ישיר ממחנה רמה בברקשרס, רדיו קול רמה, 102.3 FM. This is Parsha Talk for Parshat Noach. I'm Rabbi Elliot Malamed in Highland Park, New Jersey, Highland Park Conservative Temple Congregation on Shemet. My good friends, Rabbi Jeremy Komanovsky, Anshay Chesed, New York City, Rabbi Barry Chesler, Solomon Schechter of Day School of Long Island. We're starting off, obviously, in a different tone this uh, week. Uh, we are recording this on the 12th day of the war that is now taking place between Israel and Hamas. And uh, it's a day after, uh, or a few hours after the Biden visit, President Biden's visit. Uh, we're, we're like everybody watching, if they are watching us, as a diversion from the news. We all have our, our split screens. I just wanted to take a moment just to, to think about a lot of the people that are part of our lives, uh, including many, many people in our own communities who... have loved ones in Israel, especially loved ones who are serving the IDF, and may have loved ones who are yeah, have had their lives completely ripped apart uh, by these uh, these terrible catastrophic atrocities. Um, and even some in our community, the larger Ramah community uh, and our larger communities of people who uh, are hostage, we know some, People, each one of us, I think, knows people uh, at at least one degree or even two degrees. It's that obvious. We have people in our own lives who are serving. We have people that we know uh, who know people who are hostages. So um, I just want to turn to you, Barry, because you have a student, in uh, a former student at Solomon Schechter Day School. Maybe you can talk about it. So one of my former students, Omer Ben Orna, was taken hostage. In the opening hours, I imagine, of the war um, a week and a half ago. And um, another student is serving in Sahau as well on active duty. Yeah. And Jeremy, you have uh, people that you are concerned about, of course, in, in uh, community. For sure. Um, you know, one of the beautiful things about Am Yisrael is is... We're never very far from each other and, and Israel is a tiny country and people are related to each other and you know communities like there are kids in, who grew up from my school who are in uniform and they're they're hostages who are close to to people in the community my my own at the top of my mind is um you know my daughter Odalia did an Israeli mechina a couple of years ago pre pre-army program that was a gap year for for her and a gap year between high school and the army for them. And they're all in uniform and uh you know she's she's terribly terribly worried and and she's got reason to be worried because um assuming that there is going to be a ground invasion and assuming that there is going to be urban fighting in Gaza City you know the, the type that Americans on Fallujah or or things that are going on in you know Ukraine or something like that um it is going to be just awful in my uh circle um there's a woman that uh, grew up with in Ottawa uh, who was on uh, she made all the uh, when she was 20 and she came back on the Mishlachat uh to Camperma in Canada and over the course of you know years you know you bump into people in in Jerusalem on visits uh, Jackie Vital and her daughter Adi Vital Kaplun was killed 
uh, on a kibbutz chulit in a horrible, horrible, gruesome way. Uh, the entire community of Ottawa is uh, has been shocked and shattered. And I think, you know, that that whole sense that that anywhere you go in the Jewish world, there's someone who knows someone, and that the the sense of being shattered, the sense of of trauma and shock. Uh, even though the, the the opening events of the this war happened uh, now close to you know 12 13 days ago i think we're still we're still in that state of shock there at this moment you know there's still bodies that are being identified uh some people still uh have not yet had uh, their funerals shivas have not begun um there are um there's some great great sadness that is uh enveloping the entire jewish world and on the other hand, there's also, I think, great pride that is emerging. And we should spend just a moment talking about how, how Israeli society specifically, and I think the entire world, uh, the Jewish world, I think, is rallying in, in a way that um, we haven't seen in our adult lifetimes. Uh, people, um, you know, trying to to raise money, trying to you know, find ways of speaking out, trying ways to... Uh, organize their efforts to um, assist and to to be present in this moment. I, I said to my congregation, at the very least, you know, you can send the president an email that says uh, thank you, thank you for the these words. I mean, I, I watched uh, his his remarks uh, upon ending the, um, the visit. Uh, tremendous, tremendous uh, sense of 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 understanding, I think, and connection there so so we're we're starting off a, a partial discussion wait could we say one, one more thing which is um the ahdut of the jewish people is is great and i firmly agree with you that um the unity of the jewish people in this moment certainly the israeli the israeli jews but those of us in the gola as well but i, I want to just reflect for a second that um I think another thing that's going on here, which is which is a real challenge for American Jews, and it's not a surprise, nobody should be surprised, but the vigorousness with which, and I'm a leftist, you know, the the quick run to this is this is all you, you have to lay this at the foot of the occupation and uh, and college campuses and you know I I think that. American Jews should feel, I feel, and I don't think I'm making this up, um, a kind of a baseline, if not straight up anti-Semitic hostility, but an American community that is unprepared to really, really, really accept um, the, you know, validity and worth of, a, of the Jewish state. And... And at some level, you know, I've got a, I've got a, a member who's like a super right winger who was always so so mad about. You know, he's he's the kind of person who who really thinks that the phrase "Black Lives Matter" is invidious and and it, he's not dumb, so he understands that all lives matter meant not Black Lives Matter, but he said like the, we should believe that all lives matter, and of course that's correct semantically. All lives do matter, and Black Lives Matter is a certain. You know, a certain, in my opinion, appropriate way of saying, you know, pay attention to the history of American racism. But he says to me, why don't you stand up and say Jewish lives matter? 
And and while I did not say that phrase because I think it would be unduly provocative, I do think it is true that when the college campuses, and I saw these pictures of just hundreds and hundreds of people protesting, uh, blaming Israel for these attacks because of the occupation, occupation is not good. It should end. It is not excused. And, and I know there were many Muslims, and I have an article of a number of very prominent Muslims, including of all people, Ilhan Omar, who said nothing excuses these attacks. I was glad to see that. But I think plenty of people do think that something ex excuses these attacks. And as an American Jew, I feel distinctly uh, out of sorts with with an so, American that's that's taken that route. Let me let me just try and take that into into the basic frame of of what's going on in in the parsha here because let, let me put it to you this way, okay? Breshit starts out with an idyllic world, Gan Eden. There there's a world that is perfect that that the domains of humanity and the animals are are situated in such a way that 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 everything is supposedly working properly, and yet it doesn't work. Uh, humanity turns out to be awful, rotten, and God says, "I have to, I have to redo this. I have to, I have to recreate it." Um, so. I, I'm going to say that that's that's the the plot here. the The main theme is that the world didn't work out the way God wanted. And God is um, it's it's hard for us to to imagine the deep disappointment, okay? The Torah reflects on the deep disappointment, but this is God's disappointment that we're talking about. So it's beyond imagining, I guess. And God says, "I have to. I have to just do everything over again, and and in the new frame, I have to re recreate different categories here. These you know, the human beings are going to have a different kind of relationship with each other. They're going to have a different kind of relationship with with animals, and so I have, everything has to be redone. So my you know that as a, a metaphor for calamity means that you have to reset everything. We're not in a you know, this is a mabul on on a in in the sense of the 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 setting of Israel and and its relationship um, with the Palestinians, with the Arab world, perhaps with world Jewry. Do you see it as cataclysmic in the sense that this is a quote unquote mabul and a reset of all of these things? Is that even is it even appropriate to use that? as a metaphor for this is it or or should we just stick to the context of well that you know the torah is talking about this is it is it is this helpful is it helpful to talk about war as a resetting of everything well one thing that i would just observe and this is a purely coincidental thing uh, because the words are not etymologically related at all. The, the name of the terror group Hamas is an acronym and is spelled in Hebrew, Chet Mem Aleph Samech. But the word in the Bible story for, uh, you know, oppressive, exploitative, exploitative, violent robbery is Hamas. Uh, Chet Mem Samech. Yeah. You know, they're not etymo etymologically correct, but 
it's sort of impossible to not have it ring in your ear that what, you know, the Mabul in the Bible is sparked by Hamas, Hamas run rampant. Evil. Hamas is, what does Hamas mean? Chetmem Samech. Violence? Violence. Yeah, Kishmohu Kainhu, you know, like their name, so they are. So, uh, one, again, one thing that might be interesting to say, I mean, you know, the other, the other or an other element about this, and and I, you know, have been, uh, so to speak, you know, here in New York, I haven't, I haven't been in Israel in the last 10 months, but um, I have, so to speak, metaphorically been on Kaplan Street for the last 10 months, you know, attending protests and screaming about the government and, um, and, and is, you know, the Jewish people broadly, but certainly Israelis have spent the last 10 months yelling at each other as only Israelis can do. And part of the things that, that is so unsettling is like, at one level, it seems kind of, uh, you know, affirmative that after all of this yelling at each other for the last 10 months and, and kind of hating each other and, and, you know, the enormous divisions, social divisions, there, there does, as as people will come through, there seems to be a kind of achdut and a kind of togetherness, although I also read in the newspaper, unsurprisingly, you know, politicians blaming the protesters. They, this is all your fault, you're a fifth column. Like, come on, man, that's, that's just ridiculous. No, it's um, very difficult. Um, what do you make of, of the idea of, let, let's go back into into world time universal time see I, and, and maybe you can come come to this metaphor but why why is god destroying the world then so what's interesting is it doesn't actually ever say it's just that evil is multiplied there really aren't any examples given and what we're left at the end of the parsha is to figure out what must have gone wrong by the laws that are introduced. So the rabbis talk about the seven laws of Noah, which come from this Parsha, that the basic building blocks of civilization are rules that are required to allow civilization to prosper and to flourish. And one of the signal laws is the prohibition on murder. So it says in chapter 9, verse 6, Shofech tam ha'adam badam damo yishapech that a person who spills, we'll say, innocent blood shall be put to death by another person because everyone is created in the image of God. And what we saw on Simchat Torah were people that did not subscribe to the belief that people were created in the image of God. And the proper response, I think, based on this verse, is to destroy them. Whether that's possible or not, or how one goes about it, is not for me to say. But I think that the idea is that the bedrock of civilization requires a justice system that works. And that can be a court of law, but it can also be extrajudicial. You know, what you mentioned before is war. I just wanted to add one other thought. So in the 30s, apparently, Martin Buber, one of the great Jewish thinkers of the 20th century, had an exchange of letters with Mahatma Gandhi over the plight of the Jews of Eastern Europe. 
And Buber writes to Gandhi at one point, my dear Mahatma, apparently that was the language that he used, the tragedy of being human is sometimes war must be fought. And when I first came across that, it struck me quite forcefully because I had grown up as more or less a pacifist and um, pacifism has its limits because if you're not prepared to die for something, it's not clear what you're prepared to live for. And sometimes, you know, as Buber said, war must be fought and we must recognize that even as we understand this a tragedy when it happens. Gandhi had, um, if I remember correctly, Gandhi had, you know, because there had been, you know, civil, civil, uh, what, what's the word? Disobedience. Yeah, but what, what's that? What's the Indian uh, satyagraha that he said that it was like to submit yourself to nonviolence. Right, passive resistance. Passive resistance to submit yourself to nonviolence. And, and Indians were killed by the British. And he says, I recommend the Jews in Germany do that. And Buber said, the Nazis are not the British. Yeah. And and that's that's true. Um, I uh, I I do feel that war is appropriate in in this case. I I do. We have we have a tradition. I don't know, Elliot, if you said this when we were talking before we started recording, or you said this once we began recording. I don't remember, but you invoked the categories of Mechemet Rishut and Mechemet Mitzvah. Mechemet Rishut, uh, an optional or discretionary war. Okay, maybe we want to put an asterisk on that and say, if it's discretionary, don't do it. If you don't have to do it, don't do it. But we do have a strong concept in Judaism that, that, that sometimes there are milchemet mitzvah, like obligatory wars. And should Israel not do its best? I mean, we're, we're going to, the three of us who have, I know I have zero military experience. I think the two of you probably have the equal amount, uh, are not to be the ones who are going to make real judgments about these things. But, you know, there, there may be judgments, hard questions to be asked about how far how much loss, how much damage that, that we're not equipped to answer. But I think a failure to have, a, a failure to to respond in a military way essentially says, well, we can live with Hamas being in charge a kilometer away from, from these kibbutzim and towns. And the answer to that is no, we cannot live with that. Uh, we, we lived for a long time with that. And we took some rockets, but managed it tactically, handled it. And that cannot go on anymore. The, the the outrage of this was beyond. So I do think it is appropriate. And what can I say? I'm 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 worried about uh, as as we were talking before. Worried about uh, the discrimination, focusing the attacks on Hamas and not the broad Palestinian population, because they're prisoners of Hamas. Most of them don't want Hamas. You know, I, I saw I saw a survey. I mean, it, it's not so easy in a survey under a dictatorial regime to know the 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 accuracy or whatever. But you know, like like about sixty seven percent of the people are not Hamas. Like thirty three percent of the people are Hamas. So, you know, I I I I hope that Israel doesn't worsen it. But let's let's not forget. I, I, no, I want to I want to just yeah. uh, focus on on one one aspect of this, which is. You know, uh, moving away from the category of Muhammad mitzvah to Muhammad Rashut, and uh, which is the optional versus uh, you know um, uh, obligatory, and talking, you know, Israelis and people who comment on this say, you know, these are they're tactical, strategic, and existential kinds of conflicts, and that the tactical conflict is you know what kind of 
you know, tactic do you use and what's your larger strategy in a strategic conflict? And, and existential means that there's something here about a conflict that that will affect our existence. I, I want to just borrow, um, you know, what I heard recently in a, in a Michael Goodman podcast who talked about this as a kind of Kishinev moment, that is to say that this, this, this moment, the massacre on such a scale evokes such a trauma it, it's actually a trauma that antecedes, uh, precedes the Holocaust, in the sense that the, the the whole Zionist project originated really with with the the idea that Jews are not going to subject themselves to this kind of of powerlessness anymore, and that in order to overcome powerlessness, they need to create a sovereign state where 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 they would be protected, and it's and it's that that raw nerve that's the raw nerve here that was you know opened or slashed here that this goes to the core the existential core of of zionism and it goes to the existential core of of what 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 it means to have a state the state exists in order to protect people in order to protect jews biden said it himself i mean biden was amazing how he said you know you don't have to be Jewish to be a Zionist, and and Israel guarantees the safety of all Jews. That 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 pretty much sums up Zionism, and and here you know, it's one thing when when you know there there have been all these different kinds of acts of terror and skirmishes, etc. But but here this moment that goes to the core in sense that you can't be safe in your own land, and that's I think why the 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 response is going to be. Uh, that of such a scale, because this has moved from a, a, a real tactical question to an existential question, um, and and it is forcing you know people who think about these things and all of us by extension to kind of have to rethink everything, and that's why it's a quote unquote mabul movement. Everything that you thought of is now gone. Every every preconception, the conceptia, as they say, is gone. Everything about the way that society was organized, and Israeli society is what I'm speaking about, that those assumptions are now no longer the assumptions. Nothing is going to be the same. And so let's go into that. Nothing is the same, or nothing is going to be the same. And maybe if we can map onto it, that nothing is going to be the same, look at the end of the Noah story, in the moments remaining to us, and 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 try and get into Noah's head a little bit, or the head of the quote unquote you know survivors. We want to use that that term. They they are they're traumatized because in the sense their their world as it exists doesn't exist anymore. Certainly for them, nothing is the same, and therefore they have to recreate the world. If you want to give some kind of expression yeah. to that or thinking about that, I think I think that's really emotionally it feels very true even if it's perhaps you know i'm, I'm like chomping at the bit to get to israel to see, to see what things are like because it is it, it i mean i i don't I, the places of otef aza it's it's just hard to imagine people coming back to them or when they come back to them in you know you were saying before like what what is it that 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 god you know gave up on and, and it seems to me that what this has in common with the Stomba Amorah story is that when when Abraham argues with God about the 
well, maybe they're 50 good or 45 good or 40, 30, 20, 10 good in the place. Um, you know, what's, what's going on, it seems to me, is a, is, a, is a thought that there's a critical mass of goodness that can turn a, a bad society around. Like, if you have a critical mass of goodness, you got, you got 10 people who make you say, uh, this project really, it's not going well, but it still might succeed. And and when that doesn't happen, God takes Lot and Lot's family out. So I think that something similar appears to be between the lines in the Noah case, which is the, a judgment that there is nothing worth saving. And so I'm going to take one promising family out. Now, I feel like as a, uh, you know, again, we said before, the, the unity and, and love that Israeli society, even for all they're yelling at each other, can manifest for each other and the stand beside, you know, the, the fellow feeling. I feel a little bit inspired by the thought that when God began the world anew, it was with a family, it was with parents and children and spouses. And that's like, a that is a deep human good at every level. Uh, I feel like ethnicity, you know, the fact that we are Jews, is like a family writ large. Uh, and and I, I'm not really, you know, I read one thing in the in the course of this week, evidently a Jewish guy who, uh, in a Substack um, page, and it was evidently a Jewish guy who was like pushing back, says, this nationalism, this ethnicity, this division among people, pox on all your houses, we have to, we have to put that in the rear view mirror of humanity. I don't agree with that. I think that the, the family and the connection is the building block which makes things worth saving. So I'm I'm moved at the thought that Noah and three children and Mrs. Noah and three wives, Mrs. Noah, what's her name midrashically? Oh, yeah. yeah. Nama. That's <laughs> an Elliot's daughter. Um, she's not mentioned in the, she's not named in the Torah, but we understand her to be Nama. Uh, it's that family unit that is going to be the seed from which other things start. And I, 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 let's hope that that, that that is true. Yeah. Barry, I don't know if you have any, any kind of reflection. So I, I think part of the, the lesson here is that even God cannot escape God's past because he doesn't quite recreate the world. He saves one person from the past to regenerate the world. And I think Elliot's point is is an important point that he begins with the family, but it's a family of survivors. They're all people that came from the pre-flood world. And they have to make their way in the post-flood world. And at the end of the Parsha, Noah stumbles. Not unlike, on a personal level, the way B'nai Yisrael will stumble after Mamat Har Sinai, the revelation at Mount Sinai, when almost the first thing they do is build a golden calf and worship it because sometimes peak moments are not internalized well. And we don't always appreciate what we've lived through and we stumble and we have to pick up the pieces again. By stumbling, you're referring to the episode where Noah, where Noah gets drunk and is yeah. one of his sons, uh, I guess the polite way to say it is embarrasses him. Yeah. And um he's protected by his by two of his other his other two sons. Right. Is is that incident a a an incident in response to calamity? 
is it the the uh, we've often thought about um you know drinking alcohol drinking wine here as a as an escape an escape from from the world and and a way for noah to cope by really not coping uh he simply plants a vineyard drinks the wine gets drunk the rabbi so, had very very clever midrash where it all happens like almost instantaneously and um and it's it seems it feels like i want to just escape so there's a great hasidic teaching it says i think that he drank from the wine and the comment is that this was wine that was left over from before the flood, but it was now too potent for people who had survived the flood. And therefore, Noah, oblivious to the fact that the entire world had been destroyed and everything must be different, including him, thought he would have something from the old world to uh, perhaps calm him down. But it I would think that if we lived through a destruction, many people would ask for a drink. Yeah, and uh, perhaps that's not the best way to go. No, I think that this is. I think that this is, uh, you know, right on that he's a that he's a scarred person, and you know we all see. I mean, in, in our world, you know, there's different kinds of substance abuse problems, and and scarred people, you know, can can have them, and. Um, and we can also, you know, you, you can you can have some intoxicants which help you <laughs> help you make it through the night in in relatively safe ways, and then things can get out of control. Um, but yeah, he's he is scarred, and uh, well, you said that I, that you know clever midrash that it all happened immediately. I I kind of like it the other way. Um, so the upcoming bat mitzvah girl quoted quoted for the Shabbat. She quoted a, a thing that said, you know, God says, okay, take the, you know, I want you to make the Tevat Atze Gopher. I want you to make the Gopher wood boat. And so what God said to him was, plant these Gopher trees and, what, you know, tend them, watch them grow, then cut them down and make the boat. Meaning that the people around Noah had plenty of long time to wonder what's going on, to look at their ways, to think, think about it another way long enough for trees to grow. And I would I would love to play with that midrash and go the other way. Um, Noah comes off the boat, plants the plants the vineyard, tends the vineyard. He makes it through three years of Orla because a young a young vineyard won't, I don't mean the, the ritual rule of Orla, which obviously doesn't apply in to, to Noah, but like a, a young a young um, grapevine won't produce decent grapes for you know at least four, five, six years. So it's a long gestating PTSD period, and he keeps it together sometimes, and then he doesn't keep it together anymore. That strikes me as like narratively uh, intense. Yeah. Well, well, okay. So we're we're going to uh, bring this to a conclusion here. We um, we end with uh, Avram. Um, in the story, we end with a bit of a uh, migration. Um, the The Torah is trying to set us up for the next story, really, and introducing to us um, a, a, a an, another single family that is going to possess, I think, a very, very deep set of challenges. 
but it's a it's a family that's also experiencing its own trauma. Uh, namely, uh, you know, one of the things that is least commented upon is that Terach, the father of Abram, he has three sons, uh, uh, Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and actually loses one of those sons. But uh, th- this is the, um, there's a lot of trauma that, that we're, we're all dealing with here. Uh, he actually loses two of his sons because Avram abandons him in order yeah. to go to Canaan. Indeed, indeed. Well, we've come to the conclusion of our Parsha talk. A no. difficult week. <laughs> we, we just, um, the three of us, we we have so much, I, I hope our, our many viewers feel this, we have so much fun um, doing this. And there's a, just a wonderful simcha mitzvah and ruach that the way we do it, and um, and not today, of course, it was very su- subdued and somber, and, uh, and and we just, I mean, I speak for myself, I just feel like a constant anxiety attack. I feel like I'm in a constant anxiety attack. It's and not it's- fun. We're not normal, as your mayor said, Eric Adams. It's not all right. It's we're not all right, and we're that's not. that's I think a point. So I mean, I want to maybe just to put it on this, which is Torah is an anchor for us, and even even in the not all right times, which we are in right now, uh, we're turning to this, and you can see we're struggling. We're struggling with this. It's it's emotional. It hits us really close, but we hope that you are somehow distracted from the reality by having spent the last 30 minutes with us uh, as we uh, exhibit our own difficulties and questions. Well, so we thank you. Of course, our hearts are with our brothers and sisters, with Klal Yisrael, with Israel. And we're hoping that all the people that are beloved to us are safe. And we're praying for them. We're praying for uh the state of Israel, the Jewish people, we're praying for uh, strength, and we're praying for some kind of peace and hope to come in the future. Amen. Thank you for all watching. We'll look forward to seeing you again on the next edition of Parsha Talk. Bye-bye. Shalom.